Ransomware attacks are becoming more targeted as of late. Battery company Energizer enters the smartphone game with a 50-day lasting battery. And smart light bulbs might be sending your personal data to China. What a shocker. All of this and more here. Welcome to the Cutting Edge Tech. and welcome back to the Cutting Edge Tech episode 5. So, this is going to be a very interesting episode for you today. You'll see what I mean in just one second. So, let's start off with our first bit of news that can be a bit problematic to some people. And it's the fact that ransomware attacks are growing more targeted. And this is a very, very, very huge problem for some people because ransomware. Okay, let me give you a bit of an overview of what a ransomware is. Okay, so a ransomware is a type of malware that it basically says it in the name ransomware, a ransom malware. So for those of you who don't know, sometimes people get kidnapped, God forbid, and they ask for ransoms. Well, in this case, ransomwares are viruses or malwares that capture your your data from your computer as a hostage and offer and offer a ransom for it you know they ask for a ransom usually in cryptocurrencies like bitcoins uh, usually they use bitcoins for that thing and they capture your data and they demand money for it in order to release the data and they are very, very, very bad. Recently, there was an attack, a global attack of a ransomware. I can't quite remember the name of that ransomware. And that ransomware basically held up people's datas. And unless they paid for the amount that the person was asking for, it would delete all data, basically rendering the computer useless. And it was saved by a programmer which found the bug that could kill the ransomware. Like, there's a few things that you could do to actually evade a ransomware. There's, you know, adding more protection, VPNs, etc., uh, etc. Et but usually the ransomwares are that malwares that take your computer as a hostage and ask for a ransom in order to release the data. And ransomwares, even though, according to Tech Republic, while ransomware attacks decreased in 2018, they also became much more targeted according to the 2019 Webroot Threat Report released Thursday. The report analyzed the most prominent cybersecurity threats over the course of 2018, showing organizations were to exercise the most caution this year. And to be fair, that is a very good thing to say. And it goes without saying that you need to protect yourself on the internet environment because the internet environment right now is a bit more riskier due to the attacks, but there's also ways to combat those attacks based on VPNs for hiding your public IPs and basically making it more difficult because it doesn't make you completely hack proof because whenever you, when you, whenever you slap the word hack proof in a place, hackers will be like, oh really? Okay, let me do this. And then they attack it and prove that it's not as hack proof as they say they are. So what cybersecurity officials and experts do is that they develop techniques that can make it more difficult for cyber criminals to actually get to you and they create VPNs and different types of firewalls, antiviruses, etc, etc. 
But according to the to the article in Tech Republic, because of how widespread ransomware attacks have been in the past, many companies took note, implementing tools and applications to help protect your data. That's where firewalls, VPNs come in. However, by making it more difficult for cyber attackers to access information, ransomware attacks only became more strategic and targeted, the report found. So, as they said in the article, the more we protect ourselves, the more the cyber criminals actually develop new ways to attack us, basically evolving just as the cybersecurity evolves, the same happens with the cyber criminals. They develop new techniques, they mix and match attacks, different types of attacks, in order to actually bypass whatever security we implement. And that's why we have to keep up with the that's why we have to keep up with them, because it doesn't matter what happens to our security in terms of oh I have the latest firewall but you don't know if then like two three days later they come out and say oh but we developed this new type of technology and this new type of attack that basically makes what you just invented useless so that's why the cybersecurity experts have to keep up with the cyber criminals but in the report it also said and I quote we wax poetic about innovation in the cybersecurity field, but you only have to take one look at the stats in this year's report to know that the true innovators are the cyber criminals. They continue to find new ways to combine attack methods or compromise new and existing vectors for maximum results. So, what they mean about vectors is points of attack. And what they're saying is that like I just said, they invent new ways to attack, they invent new ways to get to your data, etc., etc., making it more complex and more difficult for the cybersecurity experts to actually develop techniques, but they also keep up with them. But like they say, the true innovators are the cyber criminals, and that's where the cybersecurity experts need to put their foot down and continue their assault on cybersecurity. And they discovered that one of the most popular vectors for attack is actually remote desktop connections. Like the remote desktop protocol connections. What is remote desktop? Well, for those of you who don't know, remote desktop connection or remote desktop protocol or RDP is a type of protocol that actually allows you to access desktops and laptops via remote. For example, you have a remote interface. You enter into the remote desktop connection applications here on your laptop or on your desktop and then you type in the IP or the name of the computer that you want to remote to take control remotely and you access it and that's a pretty good way to actually attack because sometimes people don't set it right or people don't do their investigations right on how to make a good remote desktop connection, remote desktop protocol configurations, etc, etc. So the advice that they're giving is to better the remote desktop protocols configurations that you make in your enterprise or that you make in your own personal computers because that is a point where the cyber criminals are actually using the most according to the data pulled from 2018. Now. One of the things that actually kind of gets me a little bit on this is the fact that I know how to use remote desktop connection. I've used it in the university. I've used it at work and it's kind of weak. The like the remote desktop protocol is kind of weak in terms of security. So I would I understand why they would actually pick that as a primary vector of attack. 
because it's a pretty simple protocol. It's a pretty simple way of getting the remote control over the computer and implanting that malware because the only thing that you actually need to gain control of a computer is the IP of that computer. That's all you need because you, impl you implement the IP of that computer and unless that computer is not secured with an administrator password and there's ways of getting that password via the attack or a separate undetected attack that can occur. So once you have that password, once you have that password and once you have the IP of the computer, forget about it. You can access any type of computer if it doesn't have a good security protocol on it. It's very simple, very easy to do if you have those two things. The only thing you need is the administrator password for the computer and the IP that that computer is using at that precise moment unless it has a static IP, which is a lot easier to do. Because if it has DHCP, which is Dynamic Host Control Protocol, which basically gives it a random IP every set of days. And by the way, IP is internet protocol. IPs are the ones that identify a computer in the network. So once you have that IP of that computer, and once you have the administrator password for that computer, you can enter remote desktop connection, no problem. And you can access it, implant any malware or whatever, and boom, you're done. The computer's yours. Because that's all you need. Like, if you get that, that's all you need. And you have the control, the complete control of that computer and the person can't see a thing because remote desktop connection actually puts the screen in blank. It puts a dark screen and you can't have control over the computer, basically rendering you powerless to do anything until you get until you gain back the control of the computer, which would probably be when you have the malware implanted and then you're you're done. Boom. Like the only way that I can completely say like, hey, you can stop a remote desktop connection and it would be just temporary would be to unplug your computer or completely hard, basically giving it a hard shutdown, a hard reset, because that's the only way to stop the attack or at least a way that could be to stop the attack because some of the attacks, even if you unplug the computer, they can still at least implant something in your computer while it is turned off. And believe me, it's not pretty. I've seen videos on how to do it, and it's very, very scary because once you have the complete control of that computer, or at least have a way to know when that computer is about to wake up, or that computer is turned on, forget about it. Because they can implant something in there without you even realizing it. Uh, if they have remote desktop connection, you're not going to see anything. It's going to completely blank out the screen, and once you get, once you gain control of that screen again, you might just have a, a nasty surprise in your hand. So, so I have a question for you guys. What methods of securities do you use to actually prevent these attacks? Like, think about it. Out of the blue, an attack could happen to you. What do you use to prevent those attacks? Do you use a VPN? Do you use a strong antivirus? Do you use threat prevention, threat protections, intrusion detection, intrusion prevention? What exactly do you use? Or if you're not using any of those things, what are you going to use from now on to defend yourself? I'll leave you with that small inquiry into your minds. So we'll be right back with some more news here on the Cutting Edge Tech, so don't go anywhere.
and we are back thank you for joining me here at the cutting edge tech and now for a bit of an interesting type of news today according to futurism.com energizer for those of you who don't know energizer is a battery company very famous right now those who make the little batteries that power your devices they came up with a new phone interesting because they're known for making batteries not phones but here's the catch the battery lasts 50 days so for those of you who own a smartphone myself included have always wanted to have a, a smartphone or a mobile phone really that could last a lot of time I wish my phone could last at least 10 days or a week without having to be charged or anything and Energizer came up with a phone that can last 50 without charging it's incredible because if they actually pull this through this could be a revolution for the smartphone battery. But here's another catch. It looks like a brick. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, it looks blocky. It's a brick, literally. It's like they slapped a smartphone with a battery pack together and they mushed it together, they put a case around it, and there you go, here's a phone. Like, it, it literally says, the, the title of the article, which is in futurism.com, it says, Energizer's brick-like new phone has a battery that lasts 50 days. And it says here, more than anything else, adult smartphone users in the U.S. wish their devices had longer battery lives. Hmm, don't we all? <laughs> Avenir Telecom appears to have had that desire in mind while developing the PowerMax P18K Pop smartphone for Energizer. The French telecom company unveiled the new phone at the 2019 Mobile World Congress, or MWC, this week. And it's an absolute beast of a device, containing what Avenir claims in a press release is the highest capacity battery ever seen in a smartphone. But don't expect it to fit in the pocket of your skinny jeans. <laughs> and trust me, you it won't fit. Like, I wear jeans and, like, normal jeans, and sometimes I wear slim fit jeans, and my phone pops out of my jeans like you can tell I have a phone in my in my pocket imagine having a brick size phone not literally like six inches wide but it's based on this picture that I have on the on the article it's roughly two inches wide like two inches deep and that can pose a bit of a problem if you want to keep that concealed <laughs> because you'll be walking around and be like what the heck is that thing in your pocket <laughs> because it it literally looks like a like a huge brick imagine a phone like imagine the Samsung Galaxy S10 three times wider like that's the that's the phone it it looks amazing but it looks amazingly funny honestly i would love to have that type of battery life but you should probably shrink it down to size because something like that is not something you can easily carry around. It says, keeps going and going. Hmm, nice use of the Energizer slogan there. <laughs> According to Avenir, the Energizer smartphone features an 18,000 milliamp battery, enough to last for 50 days in standby mode. The iPhone X contains a 2,716 milliamp battery for comparison, giving the P18K pop more than six times the capacity and that's a huge improvement in capacity but like I said it's just basically a power bank stuck to a phone that's what it looks like and okay you're telling me that it has 50 day battery lifespan right like you can go 50 days that's basically a, a month uh, a month and two-thirds of a month without uh, without charging 
So you're saying that I can have a phone that can last me that long, but the question is, how long will it last? How long will it take to charge back? Because that's a big, that's a big battery. So you have a, you have to have at least a method to to charge it back up. I imagine it has fast charging technology, but honestly, with fast charging technology, you can only go so fast because. I've seen regular charging on my phone and fast charging on my phone like the difference is like 10 to 20 minutes like I, I've the difference were like an hour or something and I'd be like wow okay you guys have all it figured out but it doesn't even say in the article how long it will take to charge it back but it, it's just it's just amazingly big it continues to say if you want to actually use the P18K pop you could spend 90 hours making calls listen to 100 hours of music and watch 48 hours of videos on just one charge beyond this long-lasting battery the phone also includes 6 gigs of RAM 128 gigs of storage and 5 cameras two of which are front-facing so basically they're they're copying the Samsung Galaxy S10 because it has four cameras it has five cameras two in the front and three in the back it's a Galaxy S10 basically because the Galaxy S10 has two cameras in the front uh, the Samsung S Plus and the Samsung S10 Plus and the Samsung S10 they both have two cameras in the front and three in the back and it's basically it it even to be fair it even looks like the Samsung Galaxy S10 in the photo but you know it's it's probably a rendering because it just looks too good to be true and it and it looks blocky it even continues to say that it's chonky and they're right because it's really really big it's a brick it's literally a brick I bet I could kick that phone I could take that phone chuck it at someone and and cause him a concussion <laughs> it's that big and I admire Avenir for getting into that battery into that mindset of oh I need a, a longer battery lifespan Thank you for actually thinking about that. But guys, if you're going to think about that, make sure to put it in a neat little nice package. Because to be fair, honestly, people are not going to actually get that phone for themselves. And personally, for me, I would much rather carry a, uh, a battery pack, like those that you could plug in your phone and charge your battery, rather than have that chunk of a, that chunk of a, of a phone. And Lord knows how much is the price of that thing. So it's a pretty interesting concept and it's really, really good to actually have that idea on mind. But I would suggest to keep working on it and making it a smaller package with the same amount of battery life. That would make it so much better and so much easier for you guys. Now, I have a question. What do you think of this phone? Do you Would you buy this phone? Or would you just stick to your battery packs and your normal phones? Like, it's a pretty interesting concept because I at least would wait until this gets shrunken down. Because I don't mind carrying a, a battery pack on my phone. But it's a pretty interesting concept. I like to I like to think that they, this could be bettered and shrunken down to size. So I'm going to wait until this develops I'm gonna see how this develops because this is actually a very interesting thing and I really want this to work but I want to know from you guys I want to leave you with this inquiry like would you buy this phone that's pretty interesting because you if you buy this phone you'll be like okay I have a phone that lasts me 50 days but I'm also carrying a brick <laughs> so would you carry this 
that that's my question to you guys. Would you purchase this phone and walk around proudly saying I have a 50-day battery phone? Like, would you do that? I'm actually curious about this. So I'm going to leave you with that question in mind. And we'll see where this is goes. But Avenir, thank you so much for actually thinking of a longer battery. <laughs> so we'll be right back with some more here on the Cutting Edge Tech. Don't go anywhere, guys. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Cutting Edge Tech. So, next piece of news involves smart light bulbs. Okay, for those of you who don't know, smart light bulbs are the ones that you can control with like uh, with Google Home, Amazon Alexa, Amazon Echo, etc., etc. You know, that they control via a communication device or that you control via a set of like programs, applications, and stuff like that. So, recently, According to CNET.com, those smart light bulbs that you might have on your home, yeah, they could be exporting your personal data to China. Shocker. So, according to the article, it says that even dimming your lights can reveal your location according to a cybersecurity report. That's not good news because most smart IoT devices come from China. So, even though not all of them do that, because according to the report, they tested a variety of appliances and light bulbs and whatnot. And they discovered that some, not all of them, some of them actually exported data to China. It continues to say that while the company said that it wasn't surprising that most of the apps weren't secure, the IoT light bulbs, and IoT stands for Internet of Things, the IoT light bulbs were even worse. According to Dark Cubed, which is the company that made the that made the report, simply dimming your smart light bulb could be enabling real-time location sharing. Now here is another problem with privacy invasion. Like I've said in the previous episodes, that privacy invasion is a very important topic in today's in today's time. Because with all these stuff that are going on, for example, the Huawei spying the Huawei cloning and the recent like either apps or devices or equipment and networks that actually spy on people most of them come from China and here's to add more fuel to the fire here is another type of device made in China that could be sending your location like I said the company tested a variety of different appliances and different stuff that are IoT based and it says that most of the devices were manufactured in China but some of them test some of the tested devices and their companion apps were secure and didn't share data unfortunately consumers have no ability to differ to differentiate between the safe and the dangerous devices given the lack of focus on security by retailers that's a direct quote from dark cubed and to be fair they're right because not many people are informed about securities in terms of networking and computers, etc., etc., and they tend to say, "Oh, this is a smart, 
this is a smart device. I can use this to power my home with a companion app and they don't take into consideration the security implications and the security risk because they're not informed about those apps. And I'm glad that companies are starting to get into this to start looking into devices that could potentially put your security at risk, especially your internet security and locations and all the type of things that could potentially make you more vulnerable to attacks, whether physical or like in the network, in the internet, etc, etc. And I'm really happy that actually companies are taking more into consideration this because eventually with the recent advancements in technology and the more that things go to IoT because eventually we'll have smart homes all around. Smart homes are starting which is basically having smart devices like for example light bulbs smart uh, computers, thermostats, etc, etc. Eventually, that's how our, our future is going to go. We're going to have homes that basically do all the work for us. Um, probably not most complex tasks like cooking, etc, etc, but there are vacuum cleaners that are smart because you just put them in there like the Roombas. You just put them in there and they start picking up everything. You have the thermostats that you say, okay, at this time, I want you to set the temperature to this. And at this time, I want to set the temperature to this. And the light bulbs, you can set them over there like, okay, at this time, you're going to shut off. And at this time, you're going to turn off. You're going to dim to this type of intensity, etc., etc. And our homes are moving towards that because technology, advancements in technology, and advancements in AI are going to take over that we might have a bit of control over them but eventually we're all moving into smart homes and we have to take into account the security risks that that entails because if my light bulbs are going to transmit to china oh this guy's living here i'm not going to buy that like i'm not going to buy anything that tells somebody else where i'm living or tells somebody else hey he's arrived in his house or hey he's going to be at this time specifically i'm going to turn on and that's going to signify you hey he's here you know, I'm not I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to give accessibility to people that could potentially pose a threat to me, you know, to my security, to my safety, because that's not how I want to live my life. I don't want to live my life in complete paranoia. Like I love the idea of a smart home. Don't get me wrong. I love the idea of automation. I love the idea of artificial intelligence. But if people are going to use it to exploit me and see where I'm at and keep track on me, I'm not too keen on that because I'm not for that. I prefer to have my own things, my own safety, my own privacy. I prefer to, if, if having a smart home means compromising my safety and my privacy, I'd rather not. I'd rather just continue do, using normal light bulbs, normal stuff. If I have to set the temperature of my thermostat myself, I'll do it because I do not want people to have access to where I am because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. And I prefer to keep myself and my mental sanity completely normal, knowing that I don't have anything in, that can give away my position, that can give away my privacy, etc., etc., rather than having something really high tech and really fancy up to the state of the art. Like, oh, I have a smart home and I go like, I go, I clap my hands and they're like, oh, turn on the lights and turn on the thermostat and turn, turn on the fireplace, etc, etc. And then all of a sudden, oh, people know where you live. Oh, okay. 
thanks that that that's comforting sure like i'm not i'm not for that i'm totally not for that and i wouldn't recommend anybody doing that if it means compromising your privacy for having all the commodities of a smart home uh, just steer away just steer clear but that's an interesting question would you ra would you rather have a smart home a smart place to that can control the simple tasks like turning on the lights turning on the thermostat uh, keeping you like all nice and warm and fuzzy inside with all the advancements of technology whilst at the same time compromising your privacy compromising your location or would you just rather continue your normal life with the normal light bulbs normal thermostats normal fireplaces normal everything and not be on top of the line with all this fancy technology and IOT devices like which one would you rather have would you rather have a smart home that compromises your privacy and location and all the security risk involved in that or would you rather have a normal home with normal stuff and just continue on normal you know just continue on regularly and have your normal life without any any knowledge that you're being compromised and having that ease having that peace of mind that you're going to be safe that you're going to be completely in the safe zone because you don't have something that can compromise your data something that can compromise your location and your privacy etc etc in my case i would rather have a normal home and be safe rather than having a smart home and have everything compromised like that's my take that's what i would do but what would you guys do I leave you with that question. Well, all right, so that'll be all for today. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Cutting Edge Tech. It's been fun. I hope to see you again next week on Wednesday for some more tech news around the week. So thank you so much for joining me here today. And remember, keep it techy, my friends. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Cutting Edge Tech is a technology news podcast focused on the latest news that occurred during the week between episodes. The opinions expressed in this podcast are strictly from the host and should not be taken as absolute facts. If you'd like to suggest a news article to be discussed in the podcast, send it to me at cutting.edgetechpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear them. Thank you, and see you in the next episode. And remember, keep it techie, my friends.